Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into AOA. Thanks so much for joining us here today. I am happy and excited and humbled to be sitting behind the microphone here on this program with you. You may have heard my voice before, either filling in or doing the markets. I'm happy to be here with you today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us. We have a lot to get to on the show today. Coming up, we're going to talk markets with Darren Newsom from Bar Chart. In segment three, John Bodie with the Quarter Refiners Association will join us. And we'll also take a look at weather. Are we going to get some cooler temperatures as we get into August? John Baranek with DTN will be joining us coming up here in just a little bit. I want to kick things off, though, here on the program. I put in a call to an old friend of mine out in Washington, D.C. Well, I hope he claims me as a friend, Eddie Way. We go uh, we go back a few years. Chris Novak, president and CEO of Crop Life America, joining us here today. Chris, thanks for making the time. How are you? Jesse, I'm I'm wonderful. And yes, of course, uh, I'll claim you as a friend. Now, I don't like the old <laughs> part, but uh, nonetheless, the calendar the calendar doesn't lie. <laughs> Well, I was I was going more of the years that we've known each other was where I was going with that, Chris. So, there, there, there we go. I'll, I'll accept that. Okay. Well, I appreciate the time nonetheless here, Chris. Let's talk a little bit. Just for starters, Crop Life America, folks who maybe are listening into the show, not familiar with some of the things you guys do. Can you give us just a, a quick overview of what Crop Life America does? You bet, Jesse. Crop Life America is the trade association. We're based uh, Arlington, Virginia, just across the river from Washington, D.C. And we represent the pesticide manufacturers and distributors here in the United States. And as you might guess, there's lots of regulatory issues that uh, confront farmers, uh, but also confront the pesticide industry. And, and we work on behalf of our member companies to address those challenges. Let's talk about some of those challenges, Chris. I know in June, uh, the announcement of a bill supporting um, sound science and pesticide labeling. This was sponsored by Representative Dusty Johnson from South Dakota and uh, Representative Jim Costa from California, the Agricultural Labeling Uniformity Act. Can you talk about that? I know Crop Life America supported that bill. Uh, well, thank you for that opportunity, Jesse. And and to some extent, one thing I will point out is, is when you've got Dusty Johnson and Jim Costa, a Republican and a Democrat, a Democrat from California, uh, you actually, you know, it shows that our issues are bipartisan in nature. And the issue behind this bill is, is that when EPA registers or approves one of our pesticides and that that process from the time that my member companies will submit an application to EPA can take anywhere from two to four years. But EPA is looking at all of the available science and will make a determination on the safety and proper use of that new pesticide. EPA looked at glyphosate and said this product uh, does not cause cancer. That was part of their their findings uh, when they when they approved the product. And yet the state of California, through their Proposition 65 law, required that our companies then put a, a cancer warning on a product, even though EPA has said that the product didn't cause cancer. So what, what we're trying to do is actually have federal law be very clear that EPA's determinations on health and safety should be controlling. And an individual state should not be able to come in and put a require a label that goes on a pesticide product that is inconsistent uh, with with the determinations at the federal level. So we talk about it as preempting uh, state label claims, uh, but it's uh, obviously an important part of the litigation uh, that that takes place uh, in our industry on a daily basis. Lots of folks have seen glyphosate or Roundup advertisements, uh, and yet the reality is this is one of the safest products that we have on the market today. And and we want to ensure that the EPA's determinations on the safety of this product are known and understood. Well, I know there are other issues out there, not just glyphosate, not just that issue, not the preempting issue, but there, there's other things that you guys are working on right now on a regulatory front. Can you touch on some of the other things that are top of mind right now, Chris? Well, one of the things that's that's very important to us, and, and I can realize this may seem like a man bites dog story to some folks, but we are very supportive of securing federal funding for the EPA so that they can hire the scientists 
who actually do the work of reviewing uh, the safety and proper use of our products. So we have reauthorized uh, a law that is important to our industry, the Pesticide Registration Improvement Act. Congress had passed that last December. We actually increased uh, the user fees that our companies will pay uh, to the EPA when they submit a, an application to approve a new pesticide. Now that, that doesn't give them any more say in the process, the fact that, that we're helping to fund the agency, but um, it is that contribution ensures that EPA can hire the scientists that they need. The agency is is has lost about 30% of the personnel working in their Office of Pesticide Programs. And yet, if they're not reviewing new pesticide applications, we're not securing approval for those products. Uh, and to the extent that, that then farmers aren't able to access uh, new tools. Uh, and so, making sure that the EPA system works and works properly is one of our key priorities. And so we're working with Congress to try to secure additional federal appropriations that complement the user fee dollars that we put into the agency to ensure that the agency has the staff in place to do the job. The other issue that we're working on, and certainly this is also uh, part and parcel with EPA, is the Endangered Species Act. And, and there are changes coming uh, that are coming because we've seen courts be far more active on pesticide issues in the recent years. And we need to ensure that we have a a solid and defensible strategy in place for how the EPA complies with the Federal Endangered Species Act. And so that's something that we're working with the agency on. Looking at some of those uh, appropriations dollars, Chris, is that something that could get tied into this new farm bill that we're currently trying to put together right now? So the appropriations track is is going to be on a on a separate uh, track, okay. and and we have seen the House, uh, which has approved 120 million dollars for the Office of Pesticide Programs. The Senate this last week put in 122 million. Certainly, we're looking to Congress to finalize the budget and appropriations process so that money can can begin to flow to the agency when the new fiscal year kicks off October one. We are, as you mentioned, the farm bill, the the preemption legislation that Representative Johnson has introduced, we are hopeful that that will be included in the farm bill because obviously farmers care and need to care about and need to have new tools to fight the weeds and insects that threaten the health and sustainability of their crops. Chris, great thoughts. Before I let you go, anything else you want to mention or reiterate to folks that you're working on there at Crop Life America? We're excited about uh, work that we have done with the University of Arkansas that uh, is looking at the carbon footprint of corn, soybeans, and cotton uh, relative to pesticide use. And we have a great story to tell. I certainly know that consumers across the country are always wary of pesticides, but uh, at the end of the day, we are highly regulated. It will take us 12 to 14 years to bring a new pesticide product to market. and yet part of the story that we have to tell is that we've helped farmers reduce tillage. We've helped farmers utilize cover crops. Uh, there are countless ways that we're going to be able to share soon uh, with people how uh, we're making a difference in reducing greenhouse gas emissions and, and hopefully addressing the climate change that's showing up in the form of this summer heat. Well, we appreciate the time. Chris Novak, President and CEO of Crop Life America. Thanks so much for joining us here on AOA. Thank you, Jesse. Great to be back with you again. All right, up next, we'll talk weather with John Baranek from DTN here on AOA. Join us during Dakota Fest this August as we talk about navigating volatile commodity and livestock markets. This is Jesse Allen, and I'll be hosting a live market panel on Wednesday, August 16th at noon in the Dakota Fest Education Center on the grounds in Mitchell, South Dakota. I'll be joined for market analysis by Mike Miner of Professional Ag Marketing and Ross Nadwick of Van Onen Company as we get you up to speed on the dynamics and continued volatility in the grain and livestock markets. We continue to see just how volatile things can be with weather impacting grains and a cattle market that continues to soar higher and higher. How do we navigate this volatility, manage our risk, and make a profit? We'll discuss that and much more during our marketing panel, Navigating Volatile Commodity and Livestock Markets during Dakota Fest, coming up on Wednesday, August 16th at noon on the grounds in Mitchell, South Dakota. We hope you can join us.
I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Keeping America's Farmers and Ranchers Informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back here to AOA. Jesse Allen with you here. And now let's turn our attention to what is going on with the weather. It has been extremely hot across much of the country here the last week to 10 days. We've seen some severe weather thrown in there as well across parts of the country. Here for an update. John Baranek, DTN Ag Meteorologist, is with us. And, John, it's great to have you uh, back on AOA. Great for me to talk with you for the first time. How are you, John? Yeah, it's good to talk with you, too, Jesse. Uh, congratulations on the new position here. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. And uh, looking forward to uh, continuing our discussions and uh, catching up on what's going on with the weather. John, as I mentioned, it's been very hot across the country. I'll get to that in a second. I know the last couple of days, though, we saw plenty of severe weather, a lot of uh, streaks of hail across the uh, Corn Belt. Uh, have we seen any damage from that hail? Could you catch us up on some of those severe weather reports the last few days? Yeah, I mean, we had a front come through over the weekend, and as you mentioned, it was really hot last week. And so there was a lot of heat and humidity, a lot of energy for those thunderstorms to, to really tap into as that front sags south through the country. And uh, yeah, we saw a lot of widespread rainfall out of it, which is a good thing, but it also came with severe weather. Um, actually, you know, when we talk about kind of damage, I, would th I was thinking the wind would be more of, a, of an issue. Um, because if you look at the, the Storm Prediction Center's uh, Storm Reports page, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it's just lit up with blue dots everywhere, and that's uh, that's the the wind reports. We saw over, um, I think, a thousand wind reports over the weekend, wow. uh, and more more like uh, kind of like two hundred fifty reports of hail. So it's not like the hail wasn't a big deal. Uh, and depending on where you were, I think hail was probably the bigger issue. I know there were some uh, larger streaks across the Dakotas. Uh, and parts of Nebraska that we're dealing with more of the hail. But if you go from eastern Illinois, or I'm sorry, eastern Iowa and Wisconsin, kind of all the way to uh, the mid-Atlantic coast and, and, and kind of south uh, from southeast Nebraska all the way down to the Tennessee Valley, uh, we had just incredible amounts of, of wind reports here over the weekend. So uh, that's, I think, was, is most concerning. Now, I haven't, mm -hmm. I've been checking social media. I haven't seen a whole lot of damage uh, uh, reports out of it just yet. So hopefully... It was just at airports recording some uh, mm -hmm. some some stronger wind gusts and maybe some broken trees and stuff going through people's neighborhoods. But um, uh, I mean that that the amount of wind that went through was actually pretty significant. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up as well. And I've been watching social media. I haven't seen much in the way of damaged pictures either. So hopefully uh, the crop made it through unscathed. Now, when we think about the heat, though, that has been an issue here. Very stressful to corn as it's been going through pollination. Soybeans getting ready to set pods. John, are we looking at the heat subsiding here as we get into the month of August? Will this heat ridge kind of back away and give us some relief across the Corn Belt? Well, it depends on where you're at. Um, luckily, if you're across the north, we're in pretty good shape. Uh, across the south, we might be dealing with it, though. So that front that went through over the weekend, it's kind of stalled out near the Kansas-Nebraska border, southeast into the Tennessee Valley. And it's not going to really move much uh, over the course of this week. And areas to the north are a little, a bit milder. I'll see a lot more days in the 80s, although we'll get a couple of 90-degree days in there here this week. Uh, but it's to the south where we're still dealing with 90 to close to 100 degrees uh, from parts of Kansas all the way to Texas and then across the Gulf Coast. So uh, just depending on where you're at, uh, you might be okay with the temperatures here for coming up or uh, it's still going to bake you. And it's, it's more concerning over those southern areas because it's not going to come with a whole bunch of rainfall either. So... Um, you know, mm -hmm. we've, we've seen that kind of take, take a step back here, especially when you talk about Oklahoma and Texas that had been getting some pretty good rainfall over the last, uh, several weeks and months, really, um, kind of starting to get dry, uh, starting last week and with that heat pumping up and it's really going to kind of stay that way here, uh, going forward, at least through this week, we'll see if, um, a system moving through here later this week, kind of brings some, some rainfall to Oklahoma, but Texas is going to be one of those states that really, uh, really sees the heat continue and then sees the dryness continue as well. John, you mentioned where that front has kind of stalled out here along the Kansas-Nebraska border down to the Tennessee Valley. Not going to move much this week, as you mentioned. Will folks along that front see any rainfall potential? Will there be any rain in the forecast here across the country as we go through this week? Yeah, that spot is really going to be the prime area for producing showers and thunderstorms. We've already got a bunch of it out there here this morning we saw widespread rainfall across nebraska now getting into southwest iowa into northern missouri it'll probably die out here this afternoon but we'll be looking at this um this front really sparking up pretty much every afternoon from now through at least thursday and the only reason it would stop is because we got another system uh coming up here on on its heels uh across the northern plains uh later on thursday that is looking like it's going to be producing a pretty good storm system with it that uh, looks like some heavier rainfall for the Dakotas, Minnesota, into Wisconsin here uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And um, it'll then push that cold front a little bit deeper south, probably uh, closer to the Kansas-Oklahoma border, and, and bring some showers there uh, over the weekend into next week. But, um, yeah, we, we've got some potential here for showers right along that area. I wouldn't be surprised for a couple of little disturbances that are moving north of that through the Corn Belt. So through mm -hmm. the Dakotas, through uh, through the rest of, of the Corn Belt, um, producing some showers at times, but nothing overly organized until we get that system late this week and weekend. Well, John, I know we've been seeing with this heat ridge, we're getting these ridge riding thunderstorms. We've been seeing a few different disturbances come out of the Canadian prairies that have been affecting us here the last couple of weeks. Are we going to continue to see the pattern look like that? Are we going to see some of these disturbances come out of the Canadian prairies into the northern Corn Belt, or are those largely going to subside here for a little bit, John? Well, we're getting a little bit of an interesting thing happen, which is um, a little surprising, but it's well, from a meter from a weather nerd standpoint, it's really interesting to me. We've got this kind of big ridge out across the western states into the plains that goes all the way up through the Canadian prairies into northern Canada, and we're going to get this trough out in the in the Pacific to come bursting right through the middle of it and split it into two pieces. So we'll see. Uh, the northern part of it over kind of northwest Canada and Alaska, we won't be concerned about that. But uh, it'll really push down that ridge down to Texas across uh, the, the Mexican border area, really. So we're going to see an end to the heat for, for some of those areas in the western states uh, coming up for next week. That system is also going to be the one that produces our system for later this week. So um, it's going to be a really interesting uh weather period here, at least from my perspective, maybe not for everybody else, but mm -hmm. uh, to watch this thing kind of unfold. Um, but then when once we get to that, I mean, we, we kind of set up uh, these ridge rider things 
farther south. So, you know, we had been getting them through most of the Corn Belt last week on the northern edge of that. Now the northern edge of the heat will be down across Texas and New Mexico and Arizona. So um, we'll see some of those little disturbances a little bit farther south. So we're looking at Colorado and Kansas as being kind of a, an area to watch here for, for next week. But, you know, anything can really change in that. And um, this so these whole dis disturbance patterns may not completely mm -hmm. set up like we've seen over the last few weeks. We'll have to keep watching that. Well, John, I know we've had a lot of talk about El Nino here the last couple of months, watching those ocean temperatures uh, out in the Pacific. Any change, any updates uh, as to this El Nino pattern that you are seeing out there? Not really. We're kind of stuck in a little bit of a holding pattern, and we haven't seen it get any stronger or weaker here over the last several weeks. Um, unless you look right off the South American coast, that's really heated up. Um, it's really boiling uh, almost there um, off, off the South American coast. But otherwise, we haven't really seen a whole lot of changes just yet. We're still looking at some warmer temperatures, some more warmer water um, kind of towards uh, the western end of the Pacific, which shouldn't really be there during El Nino. Uh, it's really a hangover from La Nina, and we're still waiting for that to kind of abate. But looks like later this, uh, not this month, I'm sorry, we're not in August yet. But later in August, uh, that should be kind of the pattern here where we, we kind of lose that heat and we get more into a more substantial El Nino pattern here for uh, the end of August and going into the, the rest of the, the fall season. So um, mm -hmm. we haven't really gotten into it yet. Uh, we've, we've seen some hints at it and we've seen some good uh, rainfall. There's some good variable rainfall here over the last few weeks. Thanks to El Nino, it just hasn't hit everybody exactly the way they probably wanted it to. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's come on the on the heels of a really dry period there in, in late spring. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, if, if you look back at the last, you know, 30 to 45 days, we've actually done pretty good in terms of rainfall for, for much of the, the Corn Belt. Um, like we were kind of expecting earlier this year, we've seen a lot of variability in terms of rainfall, some periods off, off to the north, off to the south. And there's only been a few areas kind of in between that have, have really missed out on it. Uh, where we've seen the drought grow um, over the last uh, six weeks or so, but overall, not bad. If we didn't, if we didn't mm -hmm. have such a dry period, we'd be in actually really, really good shape across uh, the Corn Belt here this year. Well, we'll be watching to see how things unfold here as we get into the month of August. And with that, John Baranek with DTN. Thanks so much for joining us here on AOA, John. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. And again, John Baranek, DTN Ag Meteorologist, joining us here on AOA. Coming up next, we're going to head back to Washington, D.C. We're going to talk with John Bodie, the president and CEO of the Cord Refiners Association. We'll be back with more AOA right after this. We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand-in-hand -hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risfet with this market update. Grains and oil seeds are down sharply this morning amid an absence of fresh threats from the Ukraine war and improved weather for crops in the Midwest. There were nearly 2,000 severe weather reports that came in over the past three days in what turned out to be a more active weather pattern over the U.S. Midwest than expected. Widespread power outages from Iowa to our nation's capital were reported due to high winds, but crop damage reports so far have been rather limited. That long-awaited transition to El Nino is happening with last week's heat now in our rearview mirror and a more active pattern promising to bring more rains to thirsty Midwest crops. 
It's going to be a messy pattern with some people still missing storms, but overall we should see a much milder pattern over the next two weeks or so with steadily improving rainfall chances to benefit grain-filling corn and pod-setting soybeans. Some damage, however, was done over the past week to 10 days. Now we need to see how much of that damage can be offset with the seed size and improved pod set. We'll look for reductions in corn and soybean ratings from USDA this afternoon. That's going to be reflecting the stress of last week's hot and dry pattern across much of the Midwest. We'll likely see ratings stabilize in the next couple of weeks. We'll also get some private production estimates this week. USDA again announced a new sale of soybeans to China, 132,000 metric tons for 23-24. They also announced a new sale of soybean cake and meal to the Philippines at 183,300 metric tons for 2023-24. The VIX is trading below 14 today on optimism. While the dollar is pulling back and crude oil prices firmed up to post fresh 15-week highs this morning. Stock futures have pushed modestly higher on the final trading day of July. Grains are lower on the day ahead of tomorrow's new calendar month. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on the program, pleased to have with us the president and CEO of the Cord Refiners Association. John Bodie joins us here today. John, great to talk with you again, sir. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, Jesse. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, thanks for being on with us here today and giving us the time. Let's talk. We got a lot of issues going on surrounding trade. And also we got a farm bill that we're trying to figure out. And the, the last that I had heard it's looking increasingly like this farm bill will get a one-year extension. We won't get something done before the deadline, end of September at least. That's what it's starting to sound and feel like. Can you just give an update, anything you've heard there in D.C. in regards to the farm bill right now and where it stands? Jesse, I'm a big believer that as long as the chair of the committees uh, are, are working to get a bill done, I'm working to get a bill done, uh, and, and that's where they are. Uh, their focus is to try to get it done by the end of the calendar year. I, I think everybody knows that getting it done by the, the time the current bill expires, the end of September, is simply impossible. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I've got to tell you, getting it done by the end of the calendar year looks really ambitious to me. And, you know, um, that's when the the uh, 48 Act starts to kick in in a meaningful way for dairy at the beginning of January. So some kind of an extension is needed. Uh, and my experience, this is my ninth farm bill. Uh, my experience is farm bills, once presidential primaries get started, are really hard to do. Uh, so uh, I, I I think what the chairs are hoping to do is get it wrapped up by the end of the calendar year or have a short extension. But I, I think the odds are uh, that if, if that doesn't happen, we're, we're sure looking at a, a one year extension and then possibly lame duck. 
And I was going to say, you mentioned that when presidential primaries start, they take a lot of focus and it you know, there's a lot that goes into a farm bill, obviously. And I mean, we don't have to get in the nuts and bolts of it here, John, but it just it, it feels like I'm with you. Uh, even by the end of the year feels pretty ambitious here at this point, just because there's so much yet to be done. And there's other issues out there that they're dealing with as well in Congress, John. Yes, sir. And. You know, I, I've got to say the members of the Agriculture Committee on both sides of the aisle, both committees have really been working to make this a bipartisan effort. And, and I give them all the credit in the world. Uh, it, that's that's important. And it's they've all had a disciplined approach. But to stay bipartisan when the presidential primaries are going full tilt, is uh, a bit much to ask. Well, John, let's talk trade issues. Haven't heard a lot about the uh, corn dispute between the U.S. and Mexico here the last month or two. Any update, anything you've heard uh, through the Corn Refiners Association as far as some of our trade issues with Mexico and or other trade issues you're watching right now, John? Well, Jesse, you know, I, I think Mexico is, has laid out their position and the U.S. has has um, has requested dispute panel. Uh, and, and so uh, the, we're working through the process. What what happens big picture is is we've got these two countries that are our major trading partners. And, and it's in the economic interest of both to have. A, a strong trade relationship. And uh, so when differences occur, we've got procedures for dealing with that and we're pursuing it. And and so I, my view is we don't need political rhetoric around it. We need to just calmly work our way through that dispute settlement process and see where that comes out and then abide by the rules. Well, John, as well, we haven't seen, and, and you and I have talked about this before, we haven't seen a lot of new trade deals done under this administration. Is that a is that a sticking point for the Cord Refiners Association? I know a lot of other ag groups are a little concerned that we haven't seen a lot of new types of trade deals here, John. Yes, sir. You know, Jesse, it's a point of major concern. You know, one thing I look at is, uh, in just disbelief that we are expecting an ag trade deficit this year. Um, we're projected to have a $17 billion deficit in trade. And, and that's because of a couple things. One is we, we import a tremendous amount of fresh produce and, and that's good for consumers. Uh, but we also are not seizing opportunities to grow our export markets. And uh, the Corner Finders Association, our, our team did an analysis and they looked at new trade agreements entered into since 2010. So it was bipartisan look. And we found that China had four times the benefit of, mm -hmm. of new market opening trade agreements as the U.S. And uh, they are the largest trade trading uh, nation in the world, and their economic influence just keeps getting bigger. And unfortunately, if we don't pursue new trade agreements where they are smart, then we are putting ourselves at a disadvantage and um, in not only trade and, and economically, but our economic influence and what that does for the safety of the world. Does this, the, the lack of trade deals, is it something that, that sits with the White House? Is it on the U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai and, and her team? Uh, I think Alexis Taylor as well confirmed here in the last few months. Is it, is it something uh, across the board, John? How, how does that work? Jesse, I, I think President Biden has a wonderful trade team. I, I think... Uh, you know, uh, Ty, Michaela, Vilsack is first here, of course. Alexis Taylor, we're excited about her. That team and, and the many others who work on it, uh, they are uh, very, very strong. They're good. Uh, this is a matter of, of the, the guardrails uh, that the White House sets uh, and, and we always need to bear in mind that 
that trade policy is an element of foreign policy mm -hmm. and uh and and also domestic politics comes into it and so the white house sets um sets uh guardrails and uh that team works within those uh i'm i'm eager for the white house uh to uh allow uh our our very very strong team of of trade people uh to go out and and negotiate some smart trade deals that work well for farmers and workers uh we can get that done it starts with you with the uk mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't have uh we have very common standards labor standards uh uh, uh salary levels uh with the uk uh we certainly ought to get that done Great thoughts, for sure, for sure. You mentioned USDA there a couple of times, and I know Sochio Torres Small recently confirmed as the new Deputy Secretary uh, under Tom Vilsack, and I know a lot of uh, ag groups are really applauding that move, and uh, I know you guys at the Quarterfinders Association were one of those groups that applauded that move, John. Yes, sir. We are cheerleaders uh, because we, we think she is uh, an, another strong thoughtful leader. Uh, she understands that uh, that the key to meeting the needs of the world uh, are the uh, thoughtful adoption of technology. And, and growing the ag bioeconomy is important. It's important because we have continuing declines in, uh, in farmland and continuing growth in demands. And uh, and uh, to meet the environmental imperatives, we need more um, renewables and we need to uh, use smart uh, science and risk based policies uh, to ensure we adopt those appropriately. Well, John, to go along with that sustainability goals, and I know the Quarter Finders Association just releasing here uh, in mid-July uh, a new life cycle analysis report that looks at some of our sustainability achievements and goals, John. Can you maybe just uh, touch on that very high level for us, what you uh, what you guys found in that report? I can't, Jesse. So, um, and, and I, I get it. We we need to be top line because we could talk about this all day. We're so excited about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what what um, this was an ex an examination of extensive data uh, from our industry, and and it showed that that our industry continues to play a leading role in moving forward on sustainability. Uh, and, and that is um, our, our carbon emissions, for example, and, uh, and water use. Uh, and, and broadly, it shows that we, we have done great things, but also that we're poised to do a lot more in the near future. And, um, and that our member companies are meeting their sustainability goals ahead of schedule. So more quickly phasing out cold and planned, uh, uh, making other changes. Uh, related to this, Jesse, um, we, we have been in the Energy Star program, uh, U.S. Department of Energy's Energy Star program. We were the first industrial sector uh, to uh, participate in that. And we've had major improvements uh, through Energy Star. And, and um, uh, that is um, something else we're really excited about. We appreciate the time with that. The president and CEO of the Quarter Finders Association, John Bodie, thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Jesse. You take care. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at what's going on in the commodity markets with Dara Newsom from Bar Chart. Back with more AOA right after this. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like. 
dislike. Block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Hi, I'm news correspondent Bob Woodruff. In 2006, a roadside bomb struck the armored vehicle I was riding in while reporting from Iraq. I sustained a life-threatening traumatic brain injury. The military term, got your six, means I have your back. And that day, our service members had mine. During my recovery, I learned firsthand the challenges facing our service members who return home with injuries. While serving, their fellow service members always had their six. Now that they're home, it is our turn. We started the Bob Woodruff Foundation to make sure that the camaraderie and support they relied on in the military carries on, and we need you. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative and help us be there for impacted veteran service members and their families. They've had our backs. It's time we have theirs. Learn more at gotyoursix.org. That's gotyoursix.org. Using the number six.
Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA as we continue here on today's program. And let's talk volatile commodity markets. Things continuing to be volatile here as we wrap up the month of July and head into the month of August. And we are going to find out about what is moving the markets right now. Joining us, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. Darren, thanks for being on the show today. And I got to ask, is it end of the month positioning? Is it weather? Is it something else? What is driving our, our grain market sharply lower here as we wrap up the month? Yeah, my, my answer would be uh, would yes to all of the above. Uh, it, we certainly see them all taking a you know taking a, a, a role here in, in in the markets as we as we make our way through the early part of Monday. To me, you know, with with the grain and oil seed sector as well as softs and many other commodity markets being weather derivatives at heart, you know, as we came out of the weekend. You know, we could look at it had rained over over parts of the Midwest, and the forecast for for the first half of uh, for the first half of August certainly looked like it was going to have more beneficial weather as far as rain goes and cooler temperatures. So, you know, it, it was going to be a battle. Uh, was uh, were we going to see the same headlines that have pushed markets higher over the weekend coming out of Ukraine uh, with uh, with Russia bombing more grain facilities, uh, push mm-hmm. the market higher, or were they going to show their weather derivative side and go lower? And that's what we've seen so far. We also have the end of the month. Last week, we saw where uh, you know funds and, and, and the algorithms were buying all, all three Chicago grains in particular uh, in, in large amounts for, in, in some cases. So we do have a little bit of uh, you know concern over the end of the month here uh, with weather turning more favorable, with future spreads turning a little less bullish in some cases and more bearish in others. Uh, so there was a lot of things that come into play. And as soon as we opened, gapping down Sunday night certainly seemed to tip the hand of uh, where we might be headed. Well, and I think about this, too, with that weather forecast turning cooler, even though we've been hot and dry, and that mm-hmm. most likely be reflected in Monday afternoon's you know crop report <laughs> overall, <laughs> Darren, you know, it just it, it feels like, uh, to your point, a lot of the a lot of the chart moves, a lot of the algos, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, that fund buying or liquidation mm-hmm. is, is what's really driving things right now. It is. And just a quick note on, on this afternoon's uh, NAS silliness. Uh, those numbers are completely made up. And, you know, it's it's I, I get to mention it one time a year. It's time for the for the browning effect to come into play as the corn crop turns brown or as it matures, as it matures normally and turns brown. NASA's crop conditions come down. It's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been. The NAS officials don't like it when I point that out particularly when I show them the charts. That's just how it is. So will the numbers come in lower? Probably. Does it mean anything? Absolutely not. Thinking about, you know, getting back around $5 in December corn and $13.50 in November beans. Uh, I know at least in the case of corn, that $5 mark always feels like a psychological level in that market. Are are you worried if these markets end up breaking below some of those quote-unquote psychological levels, Darren? Yeah, corn corn likes round numbers, and the bigger the round number, as you say, like five dollars, certainly seems to mean uh, a bit more. You know, from a purely technical point of view, as we look ahead uh, to the end of this month, you know, coming up at the at, at today's close, if we stay, if the December contract stays above the June settlement, and I believe that was four ninety four and three quarter, uh, if it stays above that, from from a purely technical point of view, then it has created a it has completed a bullish key excuse me a bullish spike reversal on its long-term monthly chart now what does all that mean it would tell it would tell the algorithms that this is still a bullish move despite how much it's sold off here at the end does that mean it won't go down more no because this particular type of reversal pattern on a technical chart does leave the door open to a quick pullback to possibly test the low that we saw in uh, in July of what was it 481 so right back mm-hmm. around towards that next round number so there's some things to watch does it change the fact that technically it could be bullish no is there still some room for this market to go down say from five dollars to 490 to possibly testing that low of near 481 yes over the next couple months it does leave that door open 
Darren, let's talk cattle and this cattle market. Of course, we know it has been screaming higher, but it's felt like it's got kind of choppy here as we near the end of the month. What's your assessment of what we're seeing in the cattle trade right now? We saw the box beef market basically break through much of, of July. Some of this is seasonal, as we expect, you know, buying to slow down for grilling season. To, you know, it, it tends to come to an end. Uh, you know, we start thinking about back to school and these sorts of things once we hit Labor Day, summer's considered over. So, you know, the fact that we were that we've seen the box beef market slow down, but yet the cash market was staying strong. So as we watched the cash market, I don't want to say develop because it never actually did last week. But when it finally settled in, it was just a little bit easier, a little bit weaker. So I think as we head towards the end of this month and then into early August, there's going to continue to be this back and forth between what's box beef doing, what are packers going to be willing to pay. Uh, and I think this uh, that battle is going to continue to go on. And, and, you know, this could be a bit of a problem as producers hold back. But maybe, you know, we'll see if they continue to move cattle into the system. Well, Darren, I know the outside markets as well, of course can play a, a pretty big role in commodity markets as we work throughout mm -hmm. the weeks and months. And I know last week we had the, the Fed meeting. We've mm -hmm. had more economic data hit the market as we round out the month of July, move into August. What's your assessment of, of some of the outside market pressures, whether it be stock market, crude oil, et cetera? Yeah, it looks like we're getting some bullish turns in, in some of the energy complex, most notably West Texas crude oil and heating oil. Uh, those markets look to be putting in some long-term bottoms, long-term bullish reversal patterns. So we have to keep an eye on that. At the same time, corn's doing the same thing. As far as stock markets, they've had a heck of a run since last October when they actually turned bullish. And they've fought through a number. I mean, all three major markets have fought through a number of interest rate increases by the U.S. Fed. The, we saw another one here in July. There's another expected in September. At some point, one would think, myself included, who's been a bull on the on the on the stock markets, that it's going to take a uh, take a breather. It can't go up forever. There's getting to be you know pretty good space underneath it without a lot of support. So it wouldn't be too surprising to see stock markets back off a little bit. What does this mean? I don't know that it's going to mean a great deal of flow of money back into commodities. Uh, it could be in some sectors, but maybe not the grain and oil seeds right away. Darren, great insight and analysis. Thanks for joining us here today on AOA. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. And that is going to do it for today's episode of AOA. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Join us during Dakota Fest this August as we talk about navigating volatile commodity and livestock markets. This is Jesse Allen, and I'll be hosting a live market panel on Wednesday, August 16th at noon in the Dakota Fest Education Center on the grounds in Mitchell. I'll be joined for market analysis by Mike Miner of Professional Ag Marketing and Ross Nadwick of Van Onen Company as we get you up to speed on the dynamics and continued volatility in the grain and livestock markets. Join us Wednesday, August 16th at noon during Dakota Fest. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite.